Welcome to Once Upon a Disney, an analytical yet fun-loving look at Disney narrative filmography from the 20th century. I'm Andy Redwine, and with me, as always, is my co-host and identical twin, Larry Brenner. How are you, Larry? Am I Larry Brenner? Oh, wait, wait, wait. I'm wearing a hat. I must of be. Of course be, Larry I, I got us confused again. <laughs> if I put I'm a hat doing... if I, I mean, we both have glasses, and if I put on a hat, you can't tell us apart, so. I, I mean, even now, I'm confused. Uh, so, Andy, today we are doing arguably one of my favorite uh, movies, The Great Muppet Caper. Uh, any it's one of my favorites, too. Any, any movie that has Muppets in it is almost automatically uh, one of my favorite movies. Uh, do you have any key facts for us about The Great Muppet Caper? I do have some key facts to get us going here. So after the wild success... Of the Muppet movie in 1979, The Great Muppet Caper received mixed reviews from critics. Uh, For example, uh, Roger Ebert claimed not enough attention was given to the various Muppet personalities, and instead they were shipped to England and dumped into a formulaic caper plot a la James Bond. However, Gene Shalit called the movie a winner and a delectable, huggable movie. So we'll see where we land on this. I mean, if if Ebert's complaint is he wanted more Muppets, I always want more Muppets. So, like, <laughs> sure. Okay. I, yeah, I mean, I th- with all due respect to the late, great Roger Ebert, I think this movie has very little to do with a formulaic heist and a lot more to do with the Muppet show itself. The TV yes. Muppet show. But we'll get into that in a little while. Um, in 1965, then... 28-year-old Jim Henson began logging his daily work as single-line statuses in what became known as the Red Book. And on September 4th, 1980, Jim Henson logged, beginning sh- begin shooting the Great Muppet Caper. Begin in Battersea Park, bicycle sequence, Brian operates marionettes. Which is pretty cool. Yes, so, and Brian is obviously his son, yes? Right, yes. Right. Which is pretty sweet. Um, After shooting in London for a few weeks, Henson wrote an actual letter (laughs) to his staff. Remember those? Um, This is just or this is a note just to let you know what is happening on the Muppet movie here in London. We still have no title, but we are working on it. The first week of shooting involved the bicycle number, which we shot in Battersea Park. The radio controlled puppets were terrific and all the new puppets look beautiful. We have a film crew of about 110 people. So when I say we went to Battersea Park, I mean the whole crew of Muppet people, the film crew, various trucks, and lots of equipment. It takes a lot to shoot a few puppets. On one day, we also shot the scene with Peter Falk and Kermit on a park bench. He was a delight to work with. In his scene, he plays a CD character, starts talking to Kermit, and Kermit has to ask him to leave because Kermit says they're making a movie. And I have to tell you, the crew work in that scene in the park, uh, not 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 the one with Peter Falk, but with them riding the bicycles. Oh, uh, I, was, I was watching it with my younger son and he was like, how did they do that? It's still mm-hmm. magical to see. Uh, oh, yeah, for sure. We I, I uh, rewound the thing and watched it a few times because it was great. So when Charles Grodin passed away in 2021, Matthew Desim from Slate Magazine eulogized him as a man, quote, whose on and off screen romance with his great Muppet caper co-star Miss Piggy electrified audiences and ushered in a new era of frank sexuality in motion pictures. So that was pretty sweet. Um, So in promotional interviews in 1981, Grodin claimed Miss Piggy and I have a real love scene in the picture. She's just my type, available and unavailable, coy, flirtatious, and humorous. She has a flair. She's unpredictable, and she's pink, and that's always nice. Uh, I don't know that he ever got over her, Andy. I don't think he did. I think he, yeah, carried a carried a candle for her for a while. <laughs> I, I think that's right. Okay, let's get into the movie. Um, so this movie has an interesting Manish Tana. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, we, we are accustomed for our podcasts talking about how these movies always open up with credit sequences. Uh, but in, in 1981, what, what we have in this opening credit sequence with, uh, Kermit, Fozzie, and Gonzo in the balloon up in the air, looking at and commenting on the credits, 
uh, <laughs> it was was revolutionary. It it was something that simply wasn't done. Uh, like like clearly they know their movie hasn't started yet, but they're here with us. They're also impatient to get started. Gonzo right. considers, you know, falling from the balloon to get some action going. And Kermit has to say, no, no, we're going to need you for the rest of the movie. That's right. That's right. Uh, I, I think I think that's super fun. I don't know that I'd consider it the real Manish Tana here, because even they would say the movie hasn't opened yet. Instead, uh, Kermit, Kermit tells Fozzie that the second that they pull the, the balloon uh, lever, that's when the movie starts. The balloon crashes onto Main Street of, I presume, New York City, uh, and they start singing, Hey, a movie. Uh, why does this movie begin the way that it begins, Andy? I have lots of thoughts about this. So, you know, we see Animal at first in the role of the MGM lion, which is great. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, you mentioned Kermit and the sidekicks, Fozzie and Gonzo and the hot air balloon. And I think it's a hint at what we're about to see. We're going to see a lot of new technical work with Muppets doing big things, like riding in a hot air balloon. I think there are probably, you know, children in the audience, probably myself as a first grader going, how do they do that? Like, how, you know, how does that happen? Um, and secondly, we're going to get constant winks that we're in a movie and that we shouldn't really take any of this seriously. <laughs> and and by the way, I don't know that that kind of thing works for any characters other than the Muppets. But we no. also know that uh, now we, we also know that there are three characters that Kermit and Fozzie and Gonzo are going on a high, high adventure, literally high in the sky. Right. And then we get this beautiful musical stage number, much like an old um, Hollywood musical number. If you watch a lot of classic it, Hollywood movies, it's a hundred percent nod to that golden age, I think. It's very much the opening of a funny thing happened on the way to the forum where they say exactly. like tonight we'll be seeing a comedy. Right, right. And I for one am here for it. It's great. Which Super. is I which I don't know that I need to know because it's the Muppets. It's it, generally speaking, when the, when I see Kermit, I'm not like, hmm, are they doing something seriously dramatic here today? Oh, oh, they'll do Macbeth next week. Okay, fine. Then today it's but the Great Muppet something Caper. Something happens. Something happens inside that mu movie musical number, and that is we see Nikki Holiday steal some jewels. Do, and oh, I think, but spoilers, Andy. Do we know it's Nikki Holiday? Uh, but he yeah, says, the, 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 it's, "Yeah, we do." I mean, he, we we know it's him because he says, "You know, it's starring everybody." And he he looks at the and camera me. and says, "And me, right?" And yes. here he goes. And the next thing we know, he's taken off his trench coat. He's in all black, and he's thieving the jewels but, from a woman. But what is funny about that crime scene is that. Kermit and Fozzie. Oh, and let's talk a little exposition here. During this number, we're getting exposition. Kermit oh, looks yeah. at the camera and says, in this movie, Fozzie and I are playing identical twin reporters. And Gonzo is our camera person. And man, I wish I were you guys watching this movie for the first time. Because it's going to be great. Right. <laughs> it's, so they're it has all been the first time for up. a while. Yeah. <laughs> they're all wrapped up in that song and dance. And they miss it completely. They miss. They completely <laughs> miss. And they're the literally robbery. the the worst reporters ever. Right? <laughs> I mean, not only that, I don't know that that robbery would have succeeded, except that Kermit and Fozzie and Gonzo have created such chaos with the musical number that the like people are falling into manholes and criminals criminal monster muppet monsters like at first we see them getting carted away to jail but then they're in control of like there is so much chaos happening throughout all of this if i was nikki holiday i would be like what a fortuitous turn of events <laughs> <laughs> well i mean a car crashes and this yeah everybody's distracted i'll go ahead and steal these jewels Perfect. Timing. So perfect. So we get that bit of exposition. And I guess we could make the case that the inciting incident is Nikki Holiday stealing the jewels from Lady Holiday, except that it isn't. Uh, because that is not the thing that propels our characters to go on the journey. Uh, it's an important right. event, but it's still it's we're still in exposition territory. Andy, what would you say the inciting incident of this movie is? 
Well, Kermit and Fozzie and Gonzo are getting a good dressing down in the newspaper office um, and about, you know, about missing what they missed. And Kermit uh, takes a stand and says, you know, his main mission is to go to London uh, to talk to Lady Holiday and to catch those jewel thieves. Right. So that he's now yes. on, a man on mission. And if they don't go to London, there's no story. Yeah, they are fired. You know, I right. mean, that that's right. the thing that they, they were hired yesterday. Uh, they ran the story about <laughs> themselves being hired as front page news. Uh, right. And let's face it, deservedly, they're fired. Because <laughs> right. every other newspaper in the country has covered the jewel robbery. And that's they've right. just got a picture of, of Kermit and Fozzie on the cover. That's um so so they're fired, and that forces kind of Kermit to say, well, we need to get our jobs back. To get our jobs back, we need to take back this story, so we will go and catch the jewel thieves. Right. Um, okay. Which also Fine. seems a little outside the, you know, job description of a reporter. <laughs> yes. I mean, but, I hey, mean, you know, I mean. None of it actually makes sense if we were to analyze it too much, it's not like Kermit and Fozzie make the newspaper. There were no editors who looked over what story was going to go on the first front page. That whole that whole newspaper company needs to be gutted from top to bottom. Um, but but we put all of that aside because we know we need to we need to go on a caper movie. It's funny that we had to create these, that the Muppets chose to create these given circumstances to get them to England because, okay. because there are much easier ways to get them involved. For example, they could be reporters in London already, or better right. yet, they could have been hired as security guards to protect uh, the jewels and or or something we could have gotten them a little closer to the action, but it doesn't matter because it's a Muppet movie. It doesn't really matter. But I think the idea of that they are tourists in London, I think, adds something to the story because they're pretty green, especially when Kermit's. I got uh -huh. you there. there you Andy. Go. When, <laughs> We're not going to let that pass. But when Kermit, um, when Kermit, you know, starts courting Miss Piggy. And doesn't know where she lives and doesn't know where to take her and doesn't. That's kind of helpful, I think, to the story. So maybe it's so, good that they came from the America to, the, to London. Well, plus, let's, plus they travel ninth class, which is pretty great. I'm going to make the argument, though, Andy, that this movie is actually not about a great Muppet caper at all. That there is a story about jewel thieves in here. But it's actually the B storyline, the one that the movie is less involved with. In, I think Agreed. really, you know, you could make a case for the inciting incident being the meeting of Kermit the Frog and Miss Piggy, and the fact that they fall in love. Right. Uh, that storyline is significantly more important to the go to the proceedings. Uh, Kurt, there's nothing personal. In Kermit and Fozzie's quest to catch the jewel thieves. They weren't the people who were robbed. It isn't really about them. No one expects them to succeed. So, like, there's there's no stakes there. They've already been fired. They'll right. still be fired if they fail. The stakes really come in when Kermit meets Miss Piggy. And, I mean, the dramatic question of this movie is, will these two get together? Right. Uh, which is funny because... The answer, of course, is going to be yes. And we know that it's going to be yes. Right. Uh, so moving a little bit further, I'm going to just hit some parts of the rising action. And I want I want to say there is so much of this movie that has nothing to do with plot and everything to do with puppetry. Uh, mm -hmm. What 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 it's it's I, I hesitate to call this an experimental film. In the sense that I think that like we often use the term experimental film, but I think the Jim Henson and the other movie makers are more preoccupied with seeing what they can learn about their craft than they are in story structure. Would you would you agree with me on that? Or 
I think so. And I think when we think about story structure with this, I, I think they're taking pages from the Muppet show itself, the TV version of the Muppet show, because we get these little vignettes where we see this happen and then this happens. And it's almost like they're little, you know, little skits or something within the movie. You even have, um, you know, various cameo star guest stars who are in those little vignettes and some of those drive the story and some of them really don't. Uh, but I think it's sort of, it's, this is more of a nod to the Muppet show, I think, than to the actual, the Muppet movie, which I think I has act- more of it, more structure to it. Uh, I would actually say this has less structure than an episode of The Muppet Show. If you oh, yeah. if you ever want to see one of my favorite episodes, listener, watch the Liza Minnelli episode in which Kermit is trying to solve a murder mystery at the Muppet Theater. Uh, it is it is fantastic. Right. Um, but but I just think there are long sequences here where they're trying to they have a bigger budget to do more stuff, and they they just want to take advantage of it. There's a main, again, when Kermit takes his stand at the newspaper office, he says he's going to go to London. That's act one. He's going to engage Lady Holiday. That's act two. And he's going to catch the jewel thieves. And that's act three. I mean, so the the loose, the there's a loose, uh, there's a structure, right? But it's kind of loose and playful. So we can play Definitely. with it a little. Yeah, for for sure. So and no, of, and from the and from the very beginning, we know not to take this thing too seriously. So I mean, I mean, there are if you're hoping to actually like see Kermit the Frog gather clues and solve a mystery, you are out of luck. It is a series of Kermit goes to the right place at the right time. Gonzo takes a picture, and we're off to the races. Right. right. Um. So so Kermit, uh, Fozzie, and Gonzo get to London. Uh, they check in at the Happiness Hotel where all the other Muppets are. Uh, Miss Piggy separately gets a job working for Lady Holiday. She applies to be a model. Uh, instead, she gets a job as a receptionist, which leads to a wacky misunderstanding when Kermit walks into Lady Holiday's office and sees Miss Piggy there and assumes, with some help, that what the the pig in front of him is actually Lady Holiday, which goes right. to show Kermit is a terrible reporter who has done no research on the person who is the most important person in the case that is going to save his career. Mm. Just needs to be said. <laughs> it just needs to be said, listener. But fine. Um, if at any point in this movie you are expecting the fact that Kermit and Fozzie are identical twins to be plot relevant, relax. It will it's never not. be. It's joke There's relevant. No mo- there are jokes throughout. I mean, that there are throughout. There are jokes peppered throughout, but there's never a moment where the jewel thieves are like, let's go get that frog and accidentally kidnap Fozzie instead. Uh, miss, you know, like there's, there's nothing. No, no. Um, so, uh, Kermit takes the fake Lady Holiday out on a date, which coincidentally happens to be where the real Lady Holiday and her and her brother Nikki are. Uh, Nikki steals a necklace from Lady Holiday, but Gonzo happens to get a uh, happens to get a snapshot of that on his camera. Unfortunately, the Muppets destroy the photograph. And and list and viewer, they they actually don't destroy the photograph. The negative that that photograph was made from probably still exists, and they could just make another one. But it's the Muppets, and we move forward. Um, we, so Miss Piggy is then uh, Miss Piggy, who Nikki is also attracted to, rejects Nikki. Nikki decides to frame Miss Piggy for the the theft of the necklace while simultaneously planning to steal the valuable baseball diamond from the Mallory Gallery. Uh, Miss Piggy goes to jail and Kermit and Fozzie and the rest of the gang get together to try to thwart the thieves from stealing the baseball diamond and therefore clear Miss Piggy's name. Andy, where does this movie reach a climax? 
I think when Piggy comes through, when, when Nikki's holding Kermit hostage and Piggy comes in her motorcycle through the stained glass to save him, uh, Nikki takes one more stab to pick up his gun and Kermit whacks him on the head with the baseball diamond. I think that's that's where it ends. It is the conflict between Nikki and the thieves versus the Muppets. Right. And it's an extended climax. And you're right, Miss Piggy gets there in just the right at just the right moment. Uh, that that is the climax of the movie. I love Somet- how. Prepa- By the way, I love how prepared Nikki's crew is for the heist, and how unprepared the Muppets are to thwart the heist, even though and- they all have disguises, right? <laughs> They they have disguises, and New Zealand brought the paper towels, and Floyd brought the hot mustard. So you know they're uh, yes the 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 Muppets are not exactly the A team, the B team, even the even the Q team. They're they're way <laughs> down the alphabet. Right. No arguments here. However, Andy, sometimes in these movies we say that like the action climax isn't the real climax. That there might be an emotional climax somewhere in this movie. Right. And I'm wondering if you see any here. Um, I have one or two places where there might be one. Uh, I think when, yeah, I think when um, Piggy and, well, they're carting, the police are carting Nikki away, right? And and Piggy says, uh, the triangulation sort of ends there. When Piggy says to him, I finally learned the difference between wrong and right. You're wrong and he's right. Right. The resolution of the love triangle. Which of these two people is Miss Piggy going to pick? Um, Which isn't really a great love triangle because Miss Piggy has never really been into Nikki at all. Not at all. In fact, in fact, looking at it through our modern day lenses, I would say like he's even more villainous because he like sexually harasses Piggy while she's working. Yeah. Um, and he she's not in an empowered situation to fend off his advances. Correct. Uh, so so I don't think he ever represents a real temptation to her. Um the other place where we might say there's an emotional climax, there's there's actually a couple of places, but like the the other one that you might see is there's an there's a place where Kermit and Miss Piggy drop character uh, in the middle of the movie, and the fight becomes real between them. Right? He accuses her of overacting, ah, and yeah. she is. Right. And she is. She threatens to walk out of the movie because she has other offers. And Kermit, Kermit says, like, then go, then get. We we don't need you. Um, like that that for me was like a really tense emotional moment. But almost immediately it gets reconciled. Like right. Miss Piggy starts crying and Kermit starts comforting. They both apologize to each other and they continue on with the scene. Because they're professionals, darn it. Uh, (laughs) uh, But but like if you're if you're really concerned about the Miss Piggy Kermit relationship, that's the moment where you might be like, oh, you know, they're mad at each other. There's trouble. They might they might not work it out. Um, So that's the climax. And then we get falling action, which in this case actually does involve the physical act of falling right uh, i mean learned- they throw they get thrown off the plane to the united states they're literally falling out of the sky as the credits roll and i think that's an interesting bookend you have you know they're they're falling they get tossed out in in london but they're in a there's a lot of falling in this movie there's a lot of air stuff right they start out in a hot air balloon that goes to the ground and now they're going to be you know parachuting back to the united states I mean, we we are, in our own way, being crazy here, trying to look at the great Muppet caper through the lens of plot, um, I, I think. Uh, but but those are the plot beats for anyone who's interested in what we just did. Uh, All right. Well, let's dig into characters. I know you've been itching to talk about Kermit. So let's talk about Kermit. OK, so I'm going to throw out here. There are three Jim Henson Muppet movies. Uh, 
the Muppet movie, the Muppets take Manhattan, which is the one that comes after this. And in the middle mm -hmm. is the great Muppet caper. And I think, considering I love them all, this is the one I like the least of those three, which is still mm -hmm. a lot, right, which is still right. a lot. But the reason is Kermit doesn't have anything to learn in this movie. Um, in the first movie, he learns about dreaming. And in the third movie, he's got a dream about getting things on Broadway. And in mm -hmm. the second movie, he's playing a character. And granted, that character has the same name that he has. Mm -hmm. But if you were to tell me what is it that Kermit learns in this movie, what about him changes and grows, I'm kind of at a loss. He meets Miss Piggy. He doesn't trust her and then, I guess, learns to trust her. But the reason he doesn't trust her doesn't come from a flaw in himself. She lied no. to him. Um, right. She, So, I mean, he learns to forgive her. But, but that's not really him. We don't see him as someone who doesn't forgive other people either. And like if he always wanted to be a reporter, right? If he always right. wanted that. And you're like, he's like, I'm going to go redeem myself, right? This is really important. And then all of the obstacles that come his way keep him from being the reporter he's always wanted to be. And then, you know, he gets the opportunity to be that reporter. And, you know, maybe he maybe he says, I found the jewel thief and it's really Miss Piggy. But then it isn't Miss Piggy. It's somebody else. That could be those are interesting complications, I think. If we make Kermit someone who is ambitious to get the story no matter what, it's not just redemption, but the news is his life. Right. And then he has to make a decision between, do you know, like a, a choice gets made to him. Nikki's like, you could break this story. But if you right. don't, I'll kill, if you do, I'll kill this pig. Right? right. And he chooses something. He chooses his friendship over his career. Some, some I mean, I. The movie's not going to go to a super dark place. It's the Muppets. Right. I'm just saying, you know, for someone who is cast in the leading man role and uh, leading frog role, uh, you know, he he doesn't have much to do except react to the set pieces and play off the other characters. I find him to be a more complicated protagonist in the other two movies. Agree. He feels very passive here to me. Yeah. And, and it's not so much that he's making things happen as it is that he's following the script. He's just following the script. Right. Right. What about Fozzie? On the other hand, <laughs> there's a lot going on with Fozzie. Uh-huh. Um, now, now, longtime listeners will know that um, I am Fozzie Bear's ride or die. Like, that is it. It's, it's, it's him and me forever. Um, but... I'm going to I'm going to point out that there's actually Fozzie has more of an arc in this movie than Kermit does. So the, do, do you see what see it or am I seeing something that's not there? No, tell me. Tell me what you think. OK, so at the start of this, they're, they're identical twin brothers. But it is clear that Kermit is the dominant brother of the two of them. Right. Kermit calls the shots and Fozzie's job is to support him. Mm -hmm. And then we get to a point where Kermit's about to go on a date with Lady Holiday. And Fozzie's like, now, when we get there, and Kermit says, no, there's no, there's no we. There's a we. It's me and Miss Piggy. You're not going. And you watch Fozzie's heart break. Right. And Kermit says, this is something I need to do on my own. Mm -hmm. And Fozzie doesn't really get it, doesn't really understand uh, what that means for him. I, I, I'm, I'm totally reading into something because he's my favorite character. But then we have a song. Kermit has just said, this is something I need to do on my own. But the lyrics of the song are, you know, dress me up, give me my top hat, mm -hmm. straighten my tie, uh, and like throughout the entire song, Kermit is saying, do this for me, do this for me, do this for me. And Kermit and Fozzie does because yeah. Fozzie's role is to support uh, Kermit. And he does that throughout the entire song. All of the stuff about Kermit talk, Kermit's like spray me with cologne and like all of the stuff. And Fozzie does it yeah. because it doesn't matter that Kermit just hurt his feelings. 
Fozzie loves with an unselfish brotherly love. And then when Kermit sees how much he's hurt Fozzie, he says, okay, Fozzie, you can come. And then Fozzie tells everybody, everybody can come. We can come. We can come. Because again, Fozzie doesn't really understand that that was a privilege being reserved for him. When we first meet Fozzie in this movie, he is worried about everything. He's worried about, and I think, you know, he's worried about what's going to happen if this happens and what happens here. And Kermit kind of reassures him. And then the opening credits, Fozzie, we're going to be fine. (laughs) We're going to be fine. And then he, you know, he he falls out of the, uh, well, he gets thrown out of the plane, right? And you see him on the bus and he's like, and he's like, I'm hungry and this has happened. You know, all these things are happening at the Happiness Hotel. And so, you know, I, and I see him, we see him at Lady Holidays and he's trying to get Gonzo out of the elevator. I mean, all of these things are, he's, he's a little more high strung than the other two, right? And yet. And this all comes together. There is a moment in The Great Muppet Keeper where Kermit tells everybody at the hotel who he's just met and has not built a found family with them the way he did in the first movie, that he needs their help to defeat the jewel thieves, that there may be gunplay and some of them may die. Right. And all of the Muppets, one by one, say they're out, they're not going. And Fozzie steps up to support his brother. Right. With the shame on you speech. We can't let the bad guys win. Yeah. And and I I can see an arc in the fact that he was afraid. Mm -hmm. He wants to support his brother, but doesn't know how to support his brother. He's the he's the silent, not silent, but the the brother in the other one's shadows. And here he steps into the light as Kermit's equal. Yep. Like, like he's got something to bring to the team. Kermit's the brains, Fozzie's the heart. Right. Um, right. And there's not enough Fozzie in this movie. There is Agreed. never enough Fozzie in any of these movies. <laughs> well, let's talk about Miss Piggy, who there is plenty of in this movie. Um, there is. The thing about Piggy in this movie that I noticed is that she's willing to forget her morals when her love or career can benefit, right? Um, and that was true in the first movie, too. Yeah. Is that yeah. she gets the commercial and she leaves. Right. Right. I mean, Kermit so, can do better. I think she deserves Nikki Holiday, but. <laughs> I. OK, so I'm going to say something atypical. Miss Piggy is not my favorite Muppet character. <gasps> uh, I have a lot of thoughts about Miss Piggy. But I will okay. say that the Miss Piggy who exists in the great Muppet caper is the best Miss Piggy Agreed. that there ever was. Agreed. And and this kind of contrasts with who Miss Piggy is now in more modern movies. This is the Miss Piggy who dreams big. And yes. the Miss Piggy we have in, in future stuff is the is the Miss Piggy who got her dream. She's like, already she's arrived. Achieved, she, she's achieved. She's arrived. She's like we Starla. see celebrities. Yes. Like whenever they meet Miss Piggy, they all talk about how they all become phonies and talk about how they're her biggest fan. And like, you know, like they all buy into the mythology she's creating in these early movies. I love how she has the chutzpah to go into Lady Holiday's um, uh, office with her portfolio, get offered Mm -hmm. a receptionist job. And still see it as a win. She starts screaming because it doesn't matter. She's a receptionist. She's got her foot in the door. And she's in the modeling business. That's right. I like a hungry Miss Piggy who knows what she wants and is going for it. Yeah. Um, And... And I I do love the moment where where they fight in the park. I think that's a great moment for them, too. Um, You know, I I think there's something to be said. You and I had talked a little bit pre-production and you felt that you you want to talk about what you felt was missing from this movie that what might have been cut a little bit. Oh, what did I say? (laughs) It's about Nikki and Miss Piggy. Yeah, I feel like there were scenes between Nikki and Miss Piggy that don't really lend itself to the triangulation that we're supposed to buy into. Um, There, it's clear that Miss Piggy is head over heels for Kermit, but I don't see her being pulled by Nikki one way or the other. Um, Even though Nikki, Nikki's are, I mean, he's the second in the in command at the Holiday Modeling Agency, right? So he's her boss. Um, 
I don't know. I want to think about this a little bit. There just seems to be like there's when we get to those musical numbers like the uh, Piggy's Fantasy. Um, I think we're supposed to buy in that there's this push pull and it never really feels like she's ever really pulled toward Nikki in any kind of meaningful way. I don't get the sense from the movie that we've got that Miss Piggy thinks of Nikki in a way in which he could be helpful to her career. Mm-hmm. And is therefore a temptation. Her heart wants Kermit. But if we re- we reframe the Miss Piggy-Nikki relationship where she's like, but he's the second in command of a modeling company. If I want my career, right. I have to go for him. Right. And like really make it more of a choice for her. Which of, which of these two, I can't even believe I'm talking about the movie this way, but, but which of these two <laughs> suitors she's going to go for. Right. And, um, I think I think maybe there is a scene where he's like he's like I'll give he doesn't ever actually say to her I'll give you the world after the movie after he's already defeated he says we could have had it all right but the right trying to offer her that her that was not when he's being carted off to jail and has blown it so I feel like there's a like I said I feel like there's a miss in there I feel like he should have offered her something false and she should have gone for it more so than just. More so than just, oh, this woman has dropped her, you know, the thing he does offer her is the opportunity to be a model and to actually do modeling once the woman feigns her, you know, knee injury or whatever. Um, Which, by the way, that Esther Williams sort of sequence, right, is incredible puppetry. It's so good. Um, It really is. it, It is. And, but Nikki, I mean, she, if she's gonna fall for what Nikki's offering, it's at that moment, I think. And I think I just want more, something a little more explicit. At the moment when she and Kermit are at their farthest apart, she should simultaneously be closest to Nikki in right. that moment. She should Agreed. talk to Nikki about having had her heart broken by Kermit. And Nikki should say something to her along the lines of, I would never break your heart, Miss Piggy. Exactly. Yes. And I, and everything I think, you I, want, I'll give you. But I also think this is a product of the times, too, because I think in the early 80s, there's this um, there's this belief that if a man is attracted to you, you're kind of obligated to him in some way. And I I think in modern audiences, we don't really see that now. So Mm -hmm. Uh, if if anything, uh, we feel like the obligation is on the person who is attracted to to be above board rather than the, the person who is attracting your attention yeah uh as it should be yeah as it should be that's right well let's talk about let's talk about gonzo um i know you, you i don't, don't have much gonzo... to say about him see he's I there think, i think gonzo does a whole lot a whole lot in that his, the picture taking is really important um and Gon- but gonzo's never in the right place at the right time ever He's never at the right place. He takes pictures of, you know, poultry. He takes pictures of, you know, he misses the shot. He, uh, he Fossey's elbow. To... He gets a shot of. Yeah, he does. an interest. <laughs> exactly. He never seems to get. It. But finally, at the beginning of the third act, uh, Gonzo is in the right place at the right time where he overhears Nikki Holiday claim to want to steal the jewels. See, and I think but... that is that that's what propels the Muppets to, to, uh, to kind of, uh, they're going to, that's how they're going to catch the jewel thieves. He serves a plot function, but I'll just throw out, he doesn't have an arc in this movie. No, no. Um, and you know, like we were saying with Kermit, if Kermit wants to break the story, Gonzo's Gonzo's thing should be, I want to take the perfect picture, right? Like let's, let's Gonzo as an artist, like, like the art of photography, I'm fine with it if it actually means something to him. Well, I think uh, he's he does there. have an arc, though, Larry. I, I think he does have an arc because at the beginning, when they are talking to the editor in chief of the Daily Chronicle, he is scared to death, right? And then he's you know, he? like doing these. I, he is. He jumps so far hard that he hangs. He's hanging off the lamp, right? Or I the, think he's delighted to be hanging off the lamp. <laughs> I think that's I think I think he jumped up and he's like, this is great. Mm-hmm. I think he's thrilled to be up there. 
Well, I think he finds a little more bravery. I would, I, I could make that case, I think. Uh, Andy, he literally leaps in front of a taxi cab by minute sure. 10. You know, like he, okay. he, he's thrown okay. out of an airplane. He goes, yippee. <laughs> he's not fearful. He's okay. not fearful. You, you could but, yeah, but make an arc out of. You could make an arc out of Gonzo being fearless, but when his friends are in trouble, he knows how to feel uh, okay. afraid. Okay. That would be, that would be, yeah, arc because where suddenly he has to take things seriously, but that doesn't happen here. Well, maybe that's, he's just maybe that's there. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I don't, I don't mean to argue with you, Andy, because I, I love this movie and I love Gonzo. You know, I think but, he's got, I, I definitely think he, he breaks the tension, uh, you know, with the, uh, he's, Doing a lot of comic relief comic stuff. Comic relief, yeah, I, and yeah. I I absolutely agree with that. I love the, the the scene of him throwing himself in front of the taxi, and then he looks up and he goes, "It's great when it works." I love that line. Super. He didn't know uh, if it was gonna work. <laughs> he's willing to try it, right? He's he's, he's got like an things. easy fifty fifty percentage chance on this. It's <laughs> maybe yeah, and the odds may be even less in his favor than that. But let's talk about Lady Holiday. Um, you might recognize Diana Rigg if you were a fan of the Avengers. She's Emma Peel. Mm-hmm. Um, she's perfectly debonair and perfect. And I love the fact that she she's actually pretty terrible. Um, I, I wonder if Nikki would have ever been able to recruit those models as jewel thieves if Lady Holiday hadn't torn them down in the way they looked, right? Even though they're I think, wearing I her, think you're right. Even though they're wearing her designs, right? I, I mean, if you imagine a movie in which Nikki Holiday is, um, what's her name? Glenn Close's character from um, The Devil Wears Prada, right? <laughs> um, if, like, like he could recruit some jewel thieves from that staff. Um, yeah. and, and, I, I, and I think that is exactly what Carla, Marla, and Darla are models. They right. will make money, right? Mm-hmm. But, right. but I, I do think that for them, it's revenge against her. It feels uh, like it, yeah. And that he and that he takes advantage of the fact that she's alienating people as they go. I think it's interesting we never actually get a scene between Kermit and Lady Holiday, the real Lady Holiday. No, they we never, never meet do. in this movie. No, no. And yet they he should feels com- And yet he, yeah, because he feels compelled to help her with her jewels, right? And if we want to play with the love triangle a little bit more, Mm. let's let's see what happens when the real Lady Holiday meets Kermit, is also attracted to Kermit, and then Kermit realizes he kind of likes the fake Lady Holiday better than the real one. Yeah. I would enjoy that. Yeah, that's good stuff. Uh, That is good stuff. Man, I'm mad now. What a missed opportunity. (laughs) I still love this movie, though. Okay, I do, too. So, I do, too. All right. So let's talk about uh, Nikki Holiday. Let's talk about the great Charles Grodin. So I'm going to throw something out here because there's a scene in this movie that I think is a miss. And I love this movie and I would watch it again tomorrow or tonight. Yeah, uh, sure. I've seen it like three times in prep for this film or this uh, podcast. But instead of the scene with Peter Falk, right, which I don't know serves this movie at all. It is I a would dated lo- reference. It is. Yes. I I would love to see a push-pull scene with the triangle of Nikki, Kermit, and Miss Piggy. And I think it would set up that water fantasy so much better. But I think Charles Grodin, like, he's so good at this. He's so good in this role. Like, I really believe he's in love with Piggy. But there's just, like, 10% of him, maybe even 5% of his performance that uh, lets you know that he he's he's in on the joke. He he is in on the joke, but I I think he does what. So I have you know all sorts of theories about guest stars. Who makes a good guest star on the Muppet Show and who doesn't? Mm-hmm. And the ones who make good guest stars are the ones who really put aside the fact that they're talking to a puppet and yes. try to create a relationship with them. Yes, and he is actively pursuing objectives with her. Um, you know, like uh, when he looks at her, he goes, she's fantastic. Um, when he does that, when he does that scene where he's he's like, forgive me, Miss Piggy, for what I'm about to. Do. I mean, it's just he's he's so great. So, so great. I believe that he's into her mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. it's such a great illusion. 
Um, I, I, I enjoy him. He might be uh, one of my favorite Muppet bad guys. I love I, how I, Lady Holiday never suspects that it's her brother stealing her jewels. <laughs> it is not a mystery. On the door, it says irresponsible parasite. <laughs> I know, it's great. It, it just, it isn't, a, well, there's only one person who has the means and motive to do this, but. That's right, um, that's right. But other than that, I'm just completely stymied. I've only got one suspect, but can you solve it? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and yeah, everybody misses it. And I think that's part Everyone of the fun of this movie. It. I think that's part Everyone of the Everyone misses of this movie. it. So let's talk about these cameo guest stars. Um, we, you said something a little earlier about Peter Falk as Columbo. Um, uh, you know, that's how we know him, right? Uh, right. Those of us who were watching Columbo in the 60s through the 80s, right? I wasn't around in the 60s. But um, but yeah, I mean, Columbo was always a rerun on television. We always knew who Columbo was. I don't think today's audiences know who Columbo is. They do not. Um, I don't I don't think today's audiences know who Jack Warden is either uh, from 12 Angry Men, Shampoo, All the President's Men, Heaven Can Wait, right? As Mike Tarkanian, the uh, editor in chief of the Daily Chronicle. But uh, Jack Warden is playing a role that's driving the story forward. He's not just there to be Jack Warden, right? Can I tell you, Mike Tarkanian fascinates me. I want to know all about his life being best friends with Kermit and Fozzie's dad. <laughs> I want a I want a movie that is the two of them as young reporters. I want to find out that Mike was godfather to young Kermit, yes. young Fozzie. I I I want their story. That, that picture that we see on his desk. It is my favorite visual from this movie, and it fills me with so many questions. Oh, there's and a I, lot. <laughs> I, and I like how Mike, ha, like like Jack as Mike, has invested his day player role with an entire, like, I believe that there's a history between him and, and Kermit and Fozzie's dad um, that, that is sacred to him yeah. without knowing any of the details about it. I love that. I do, too. I do, too. And again, it drives the story, right? We have him playing in there. It's not just, oh, let's drop him in there and see how how it works. So I think I think we get a, a gold star for Jack Warden in this script. OK, oh, agree. This, this character in the script. All right. Robert Morley, who was actually in the African Queen and Oscar Wilde uh, as British gentleman. So he's the first person they, they encounter when uh they land in the pond, which is always funny to me that they land in the pond because we talk about Great Britain being across, across the, pond. the pond. Right. 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 <laughs> also, Robert Morley was a spokesperson for British Airways for many, many years. So the fact that he's their travel guide is pretty funny. Oh, I, I mean, what? A, wow. Uh, <laughs> yeah. OK. Um, I mean, he doesn't have much to do other than to welcome them. You right, know, right, uh, he's right. he's just there. It's a cameo. And, you know, um, yeah. But he uh, does the job in getting them to the Happiness Hotel. And I think right, that's he pulls a- out the travel guide and he tells them, you know, how, how cheap do you want? And Fozzie or Kermit says free. <laughs> I, I love that. Places where you can park your car- carcasses. <laughs> so great. OK, so we'll, we'll give him a gold star. Um Yes. Uh, John Cleese and Joan Sanderson. So John Cleese, of course, from Monty Python, A Fish Called Wanda, Faulty Towers, and Joan Sanderson, lots of British TV, including Faulty Towers, uh, as Neville and Dorcas. I can't tell you how much I love Neville and Dorcas. <laughs> when I think of this movie, I think of that scene. When somebody what? says, great, great. My- <laughs> That's another thing I have a lot of questions about. This, this strikes me as not like not only like we learn that Dorcas hasn't left the house in 12 years, <laughs> years. the kids have moved out, the pets are dead, sure. the butler has been discharged, they, they have nothing to say to each other. And yet, <laughs> and yet, I can't help but feel like this moment with Piggy and Kermit is the greatest thing that has ever happened to them in, their in an life. otherwise uneventful life. And right. I am 
fascinated by them. Oh, yeah. I'm just, they're great. It's such a <laughs> great, how nonchalant he looks out the window and he's like, he's like, oh, there's a pig climbing, climbing up. And like later on, he's like, you remember that pig I told you about? He's just like the one that was climbing the side of the building. I, they're the same one. It's That's a Jeff. That's a Jeff. Same one. She's in the closet with the frog. It's so the part where she gets frustrated with when Miss Piggy gets frustrated with them because they're arguing who's going to answer the door. Should one of them go? Should the other one go? Should they go together? And she just goes, I'll get I'll it and goes it right. to the d- Oh, my gosh. What a what, the build to that. It is the oh. funniest sequence. Oh, it's great. It's so great. And, you know, here she is slinking around. Um, Piggy's slinking around. And gosh, and the door. But oh, it's just it's fantastic. So funny. And it does. It. I mean, these are two comedy actors that, again, we don't really know. Like, you don't have to know who John Cleese is. I mean, if you don't, you should. Really you don't re- rectify that. Um, or who Joan Sanderson is. But this, they play these roles. They embody them. It's really good. Absolutely. Okay. Okay. So Peter Falk, the seer on the bench. Uh, I mean, I love that monologue he gives about Bernie, the brother-in-law, <laughs> right. and the glass slipper, and and all of that stuff. He's like, I seen you. This and I know the story. And I, I've seen it a million it, times. <laughs> I've seen it a million times. And that it's a story that no one has ever heard before. <laughs> Makes no sense. There's no way he could have. Po- and it's completely wrong. And right. Kermit has to ask him to leave because because like it's like we're trying to do a movie here. And he's like, oh, um, I just feel like it's missed. I think I feel it, like this is this one's a miss because it doesn't drive the story. It does not. It does not. What we need in this moment is for Kermit to actually have the opportunity to express something that he's. It's the this moment is the same moment in the Muppet movie where Kermit goes into the bar and he confesses what he's feeling to Ralph. Yeah. Right. That's that's what's called for in this circumstance. Right. And maybe Kermit should be doing that that bit with Fozzie since they're brothers mm-hmm. and confidants and all of that, he needs mm-hmm. to be doing it with someone. And instead we're completely subverting that beat and we're, we're doing something. It's like, we think we're getting that and we get the opposite. I think that's the joke. Right. But I mean, it comes at the expense of who, actually having the character development. Yeah. And if you we don't still know need Col- the character development. Columbo, if you've ever seen it, knows everything and sees all right. Uh, yeah. But if you don't know who Columbo is, this doesn't work. The joke doesn't work. So. Yeah, I agree. All, all right. Peter Ustinoff, best known in the United States, probably for uh, the Agatha Christie films where he's Inspector Poirot, right? Very funny. Um, he's a truck driver <laughs> with a sign that says no passengers. I mean, it's clear right there. If you do want to see a good, uh, I think, interaction between Peter Ustinoff and the Muppets, you should watch. The Muppet Show episode where he is the guest star because it's yeah I think that's one of the early seasons the early ones it's Um, pretty good but my favorite cameo Andy isn't even on your list when Oscar the Grouch shows up ah (laughs) I doesn't even know why he's there yes doesn't even know why he's there (laughs) he shouldn't be there Uh, but Graydon also squealed when he saw he's like Oscar what is he doing here I (laughs) you know that you can put all. You know, like at the end of the day, you know, you could put all of these British celebrities into this movie. The kid in the audience is going to be most excited about seeing Oscar the Grouch for 15 seconds. That's right. That's right. Um, So speaking of Sesame Street, um, all of the music in this movie is written by uh, Joe Raposo, who was the composer for Sesame Street in the early days. He did Be in Green and C is for Cookie and Sing and... Afghadeki, Jekyll Monarch, where Stewart's is, right? Um, so, yeah. And uh, apparently he wrote for Sinatra. Like, he wrote for everybody. Everybody wanted wow. to sit down and, uh, and with this guy and have him compose for them because he just had quite an ear. But the, and these, these songs, you know, we always talk about songs being sticky. These will stick in your head for sure. If you can't watch this movie and not have... Happiness Hotel in your head for the next couple of weeks. Love power the Happiness to Hotel song. <laughs> Stepping out with a star stick yes. sticks with me. Hey, a movie mm-hmm. sticks with me. Mm-hmm. Um, I have one complaint about the music in this movie. Oh, boy. Okay. We have three separate songs about loving Miss Piggy. Mm-hmm. And and none of they're they're all fun and they're all visually interesting. 
but we don't need three slow down tempos or or so there's the first time it happens when they're mm-hmm. dancing together there's right. couldn't we ride where Kermit and Miss Piggy ride on the bikes through the park which again if you're paying attention to the song and not the puppetry you're you're paying attention to the wrong thing i get right. that and then right. we get um what what i think of as happiness miss piggy but you said is called miss piggy's fantasy mm-hmm. um where again we get Kermit and and this time also Charles Grodin but not really Charles Grodin because he's dubbed, uh, as Miss Piggy points out to him later, uh, singing They're about not even you singing. Know, yeah, that, about about their love for Miss Piggy. It's three songs about being in love with Miss Piggy, mm-hmm. and put them in three separate movies. We don't need all three of them. I got it. They're in love. Like you can't keep taking a bite of the same app. I mean. Literally, I, I, I guess uh, you can keep taking bites of the same apple because they're different bites, but you can't have that one bite again and again and again. It's gone. Right. We ate it. We know they're in love. Um, and and none, of, none of them actually reveal anything new about the love between Kermit and Miss Piggy. Uh, I mean, the for, only for thing me, you could you could argue that it Piggy's slows fantasy, down the movie. It does slow down the movie. And, and you could argue that Piggy's fantasy is this. Um, puppetry that, I mean, you see all that and it's great and it sort of drives the story of the Kermit-Nikki triangulation. Uh, The first time it happens feels like it could just as easily be a reprise of Stepping Out with a Star, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I love when she starts tap dancing. I love that. Oh, it's great. Yes. Great. It's great. Um, And uh, Nightlife, um, there's a, there's a, song that comes the one that i have the biggest quibble with is they're getting the ready the to go yes they're going to the dubonnet supper club right and they're all there and we just hear this song with that we don't really need to i don't think there's anything that really happens on that ride other nothing than, happens on that ride no nothing and i feel like that's that's a whole scene that I mean, it's cool Again, to see showing them. showing off the puppetry. The bus yeah. itself is one gigantic puppet contraption, and it's amazing spectacle. Oh, it's the incredible. The song itself, though, is not tell is not moving the story along is not telling us anything and that's right. that's why i say like like if you watch this movie as a showcase for what's possible to do with puppetry it's amazing oh yeah um yeah but i you know the but first movie writing is better a, for me yeah if you're writing a script today and you're writing a movie musical i sure would want those those songs to really drive the plot what we don't have is a song from gonzo what we don't have is a song about Fozzie and Kermit being brothers. What we right. don't have is a song that's just Nikki Holiday's song. Get, get, yes. like, or yes. like there's there's so many things that we could do that would be fun other than singing about Kermit's love for Miss Piggy three times. And that I think more than anything else, it's it's just only enough room for so many songs. You want to make each one of them count distinct from the others. Right. Um, and 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 the other so that distinct. is that hey, is my movie. complaint about this about this movie that I love. Yeah, I mean, hey, <laughs> a movie, Happiness Hotel, Stepping Out with the Star, even the love first em. time it happens, all four of those are very you know sticky and distinct. But yeah, yeah, I agree yeah. with you completely. Let's talk about protagonist problems. <laughs> Yeah, so the, I know you. There, there I know is, you don't want to. <laughs> no, no, no. This one has protagonist problems. It's it's this movie. Arguably, Kermit is the protagonist of this story, and he's not. Um, he no. is the lead in the story, mm-hmm. but he is not invested with flaws. He has mm-hmm. nothing really to overcome. Mm-hmm. Uh, he doesn't really have choices he needs to make. Right. Uh, the person who I think is the protagonist of this movie is Miss Piggy. Oh, 100%. And you know, it starts to feel like Kermit's story, but about the half, you know, at the beginning, but about the halfway mark, uh, we start noticing that, nope, this movie is Miss Piggy's movie. 100%. It's about, there's no relationship set up between Kermit and Nikki Holiday. No, nope. Kermit and Nikki Holiday are not enemies. They're not anti antagonists to Nikki's not Kermit's antagonist. Nikki doesn't even know Kermit exists. Right. Although 
eventually he meets Kermit, but he doesn't get filled with jealousy and a desire for revenge on Kermit, which would make them enemies. Sure. He's like, yeah, I'm going to go along with my jewel heist. And I framed Miss Piggy. And it's like, 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 really, shouldn't Nikki be like, you stole her from me, Kermit. Right. The only exactly. pig I've ever loved. Yes. Um, it, That's it, what this, this is move- missing. Yeah. If if this is Kermit's story, he needs to. Yeah. He needs he to needs have better an arc. Enemy. He needs flaws. Kermit he needs, needs an arc. An enemy. And an enemy. Yep. Because Miss Piggy who's the hero has at the an end? antagonist. Who's the hero at the end of this movie? Miss Piggy. Miss Piggy. Is. Miss Piggy comes and saves the day. Um, uh, This is more her story, more her journey. At the end, she gives the speech about having learned the difference between right and wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, But the movie isn't structured to be her story. It's structured to be Kermit's story. Right. And so, sadly, I'd have to say, yes, this movie has protagonist problems. Yep. And not enough Fozzie. And more Fozzie. Always more <laughs> and, and more, more Gonzo, honestly. And okay. more Gonzo. I would Gonzo. agree with that, too. In fact, more Muppets in general. We ha- get all of the Muppets there. I want to say, like, we made our list of who we wanted to talk about. And there are 50 other Muppets in this movie who have nothing to do. Right. 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 They have good uh, jokes, I, how, They have good jokes. They have good offlines. But they are supporting cast um, and like Scooter is no different than the Swedish chef. There's no different than Bunsen and Beaker or Rolf. Like they all get tiny little moments. Yeah. Uh, even Animal only gets a tiny little moment. But but there's so much focus on Kermit and Miss Piggy. It's it's almost like there was nothing left for anybody else. Right. Right. All right, Larry. Usually we play we do a pitch, but today, Larry, today. I've crafted a game for you. We're going to play Would You Rather. We're going to play Would You Rather. Andy. (laughs) We're going to play Would You Rather. And these are Muppet questions for you, Larry. Okay. Okay. Are there right answers? Or there are no. Whatever whatever answer you pick is the right answer. There are no wrong answers. And if you you don't like the choices, you can always uh, opt to. You know, throw in no, your own. No, I, I reject okay. that. I reject that. In a would you rather, there are only two choices. Okay, so only two you choices. And we're gonna, both ways. That's right. All right. This is it. Making right. this harder. Okay. So. Yes. The beginning of this movie takes place on Main Street in a big American city. You're a tourist. You're taking in Main Street. Would you rather grab a hot dog from the cart or grab some vegetables to take home for later? Okay, with the caveat that I don't eat hot dogs anyway, right? So that makes this decision really easy. I'm going to take home the vegetables, but, Andy, it is not to eat them. It is a rescue. Those vegetables are (laughs) sentient, and they sing, and it is monstrous to imagine them being eaten by other people. I am going to get them. I'm going to find new homes for them. And that's that's my answer. Vegetables. Fantastic. All right. So pretend you are a reporter with a scoop that is sure to get you a Pulitzer Prize. Would okay. you rather go on assignment with Kermit or with Fozzie? Oh, gee. Oh, gee. Let me let me weigh this one. <laughs> I could spend time with Kermit or uh, Fozzie, who's my ride or die, as I mentioned earlier. Uh, my answer is Fozzie. Uh, and uh-huh. the reason is this, okay? Let's put it, let's say I'm not me. Because in this, would you rather, I am a reporter who wants a Pulitzer, which is not right. who I am. Right, right. Kermit, I think, would want his name to go first. And mm-hmm. Fozzie, I think, would let let me put my name first because <laughs> it is in his giving na- nature. So for that reason, I'm going to go with Fozzie so that I get most of the attention and, you know, um, you know, and he can wear the hat that says press on it. And then we're a team. <laughs> Love it. Okay. Okay. Third question. Would you rather have dinner at the Terrace Restaurant, the place where Kermit and Piggy have their first romantic dinner date in the Muppet movie, or dinner at the Dubonnet Supper Club at, uh, from the Great Muppet Caper? I don't dance. So I, uh, the, uh, also, also I know that 
it costs $1,700 for Kermit to take Miss Piggy out at the supper club. Whereas I believe Kermit ordered the cheapest bottle of wine that comes in a bottle cap at uh, at uh, the Terrace Restaurant. Uh-huh. Uh, terrace Restaurant also means I will be served by Steve Martin. Um, uh, yeah, I'm going to go with Terrace but you Restaurant. Could, well, you could also sit next to Jim Henson at the uh, DuVernay Supper Club, though. I could. I could. But, but. All, all things, all things considered, I would rather I would rep Steve Martin as my waiter, uh, not going into debt for dinner, no expectations of dancing. Terrace restaurant. <laughs> you really hate dancing. Okay, so would you rather go for a stroll in Trafalgar Square with Gonzo, or would you ra- rather ride a bike in Battersea Park with Miss Piggy? Oh boy, um, I. Th- I think I would rather go for a stroll in Trafalgar Square, because if you ride a bike with Miss Piggy, you're committed to returning the bike, right? Like when you right. get tired, you you, you sure. really have limited options with that bike. You just have to bike home. Whereas I happen to know Gonzo's really good at getting us a cab when we get tired. <laughs> um, and if he doesn't get us a cab, I'm sure he'll get us an ambulance. So either way... <laughs> Either way, right? Yeah. uh, Either way, I'm going to Trafalgar Square with Gonzo. All right. And final question. Would you rather ride cross country in the Happiness Hotel courtesy shuttle or actually Mm -hmm. spend a few days at the Happiness Hotel? I have always dreamt of sleeping in the Murphy bed while it, like, is in the wall. (laughs) And... I don't I don't know if that's anybody else's fantasy. It became my fantasy after I watched Great Muppet Keeper. The fact that they're in the wall and they go to sleep that way. I've always wanted to do it. So I will stay at the Happiness Hotel for a few days. Awesome. Yay. How'd I do, Andy? How'd I do? Fantastic. Fantastic. One under. Okay. You can gold star. Good job. Yay. Yay. What movie are we tackling next week? Um, next week we are tackling bed knobs and broomsticks. Yay! I'm so excited for that one. So excited. I am too. I haven't seen it in forever. Oh, me, me neither. I don't, I don't know. It's probably been 15 years or more since I've seen it. I'm not, I'm not even sure. I've, I'm pretty sure I've seen it all the way through. Uh, but, but I don't, mm. Mm. I I remember that the middle section is the section that I love the most in this. Me too. Me too. So, well, friends, if you like what you're hearing, will you do us a favor and share this podcast with another Disney or classic movie fan? If you write us a review, we'd be so pleased. And please check out our Once Upon a Disney Facebook page. You can tweet us at at Andy Redwine or at Larry Brenner 6 or drop us a line in our mailbag at Once Upon a Disney Podcast at gmail.com. So until next time, friends, see you real soon. Waka waka. Waka waka.